Thank you for downloading the audio portion of the Everett Lee Show. Before we get on to the guest today that's on the program, there's a few things I want to mention that will help support the Everett Lee Show. And of course, it will help Everett Lee out. You'll help support my ass out right up front here on this podcast. It will just show that you really care. Let me go ahead and mention that, and then you can enjoy this audio portion of the Everett Lee Show. If you're looking to start a podcast and already have a podcast and you're looking for an affordable podcasting hosting site, Podbeam is your number one choice. Podbeam offers statistics with in-depth analytics to manage your podcast needs. Use the promo code podbeam.com slash pbsignup and get a free month off. That's podbeam.com slash pbsignup to get a free month off and see why 1,500 episodes have been shared all over the world in the past 11 years with over 3,000 subscribers that have chose Podbeam as their number one hosting site. And if you're looking to get into advertising, Podbeam advertising, you'll get $100 off advertising when you sign up as a sponsorship over on podbeam.com slash pro slash PB sign up. That's podbeam.com slash pro slash PB sign up. Since 1995, HighSpots.com has grown to be the company it is by serving the wrestling fans throughout the world with a great selection of merchandise. HighSpots.com has everything a wrestling fan could want, including the latest WWE and TNA releases, classic wrestling merchandise, and their HighSpots.com exclusive releases. HighSpots.com is the leading online retailer for professional wrestling and mixed martial arts offering autographs figures, DVDs, apparel, wrestling gear, and even wrestling rings. Their largest clients include WWE, Impact Wrestling, ROH, and AEW. Click on the High Spots logo on the Everett Lee Show page over on podcast.net to order. Whether you are a wrestling fan, pro wrestler, or promoter, you can find what you're looking for at highspots.com. Podcast City Network. You're listening to the Everest Lee Show. Welcome everyone to the Everett Lee Show. I'm the Everett Lee. I want to give a quick shout out to everyone who follows my social media and of course Podcast City Network, the official host of the Everett Lee Show. Tonight on the program. I have a multi-talented guest on tonight on the Everett Lee Show. He's wrestled in many promotions throughout Japan, Mexico, and he's been on TV in appearances on TV shows, and he's also a hip-hop recording artist as well with a couple albums out, probably three, I don't know. But we'll get into that here tonight on the Everett Lee Show. I'm going to welcome to the program tonight none other than One Man Crew. How you doing there? Doing really well, man. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I am great. Just trying to get by with this uh, COVID-19. I mean, just trying to take one day at a time to make sure nothing nothing happens. But I'm. Well, did your food stamps come in or something? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> Actually, I mean, that's, uh, I, I mean, I, I could laugh about it because I never thought I would ever 
have to apply for something like that because I did get furlough from my job along with three other others. Mm-hmm. I pretty much got furloughed. Yeah, man. And that uh, blows. Yeah, all my dad got furloughed. Like everybody's screwed right now. I'm on food stamps. I'm the food stamp champ, motherfucker. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd never, I never thought in a million years I would have to, I would have to do something have to. like that. You know, never. Yeah, man. None of us, dude. Yeah, this this just this just crip, you know, came up on us, and we're just you know having to deal with this the best we can. And I know you're halfway across the world there from where I'm at right now. It's like what twelve one o'clock right now where you're at. It's eleven oh seven a.m. at the moment here. Oh wow, In Guam. In Guam, <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's amazing. You're you're the second guest I've had on. That I've talked to halfway across the world, uh, around the world. Last year, I had a recording hip hop artist from Australia on named Muggsy, and I was talking to him nine o'clock here at night. But it was the following day or the day before over in his country, around one one twelve one o'clock, <laughs> which is crazy. Nice, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The time zone difference is kind of weird because it's actually Tuesday here. It's Monday night there, but it's Tuesday morning here. The time difference—you would never th- think of anything like you know it would be be like that around the world. You know, you always thought the world was growing up would be it was like just your backyard. You know, dude, we're time traveling right now. I'm talking to a dude that's yesterday. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 amazing. I like that. <laughs> There's no, I'm just stoned, bro. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Now, a lot of people, I'd say, with everything going on, they're they're pretty much stoned, or they've they got a drink in their hand. <laughs> I mean, oh why yeah, would you? man. Yeah. Why would you know? You see him on Facebook, dude? Oh, my God. Everybody's nasty now. Shit. I know. It's it's some crazy shit that's been going on. It's just some crazy stuff that you you see just happening, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Pretty pretty much just some crazy shit. But as long as, you know, we're, we're we're doing fine, I'm, you know, just... Staying at home, just putting out content, and I'm sure you've been busy. Um, what What have you been doing with your time? I've been making beats for a next my next album, and I'm in the in the writing phase of writing lyrics and stuff for it. I just, you know, what sucks, man. I just put out a new album just a few months ago, and then this COVID nineteen shit started, and now it's like, man, I can't promote my album. I can't do nothing like nobody knows about it nobody gives a shit about it like i sold 20,000 copies of my last album this one i only sold like 200 copies <laughs> damn <laughs> so it's like wow like yeah I, I invested a lot into that in my new album because i got like famous rappers on it and shit so it was yeah it sucks i took a hit on that one yeah yeah but but I'm just picking myself up, dusting myself off, and just gonna keep making music. That's all you can do, man. That that's all you can do. I know a lot of artists. They've they've had this time to actually record stuff. 
I was hearing something about Metallica. They've already got like a new album already like wrote and ready to record. So a lot of artists is taking that time to actually, you know, be, be creative and, and, you know, take the time to put something together that's, you know, with, with their art. Oh yeah, man. You know what I think is awesome is like, I see it all everywhere. Like, People who like normally don't do anything creative are doing creative things. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for example, like knitting and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, people have more time on their hands to do the stuff that they forgot that they enjoyed doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really. Yeah, that's true. I I agree because I've been I've been able to go back and watch watch wrestling that I've not really had time to sit down and watch like here in the last couple of weeks. I've been talking with a, with a lot of talent from up in uh, Hamilton, Ohio from FGW future great wrestling. And they got a show they put on their YouTube channel, future great wrestling. It's called uh, FGW shockwave. So I've had time to go back and watch that because I've not, I've gotten myself away from two months of not watching WWE now, last night, I did watch most of what I did with the money in the bank just to watch it. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what's going on? I have not watched this product in two months. What the heck? What the fuck, man? Dude, it's brutal. It is brutal. Like, I I watch all of it. Like, the AEW, the WWE. Like, I'll, I'm subscribed to their YouTube channel. So, like, I watch the clips they produce, and I'm like, wow. This is sad. It's like you're doing this because of a TV contract. Like, oh my god, nobody's gonna ever come watch wrestling again. Yeah. Well, AEW is not so bad. They're actually their guys are really like busting their asses and doing a good job. But the WWE stuff is just because they rely on too many writers and stuff, and people like trying to come up with stuff. And they're just coming up with whack shit left and right, man. You know? Yeah. It's it's already bad enough you don't have an audience, which is the core component of pro wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You know what I mean? So... <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much how it is because they... It, it's it's just hard not having that fan rea- reaction there because I, I it's something you get used to. But if you notice, you can tell the difference between a uh, a worker that's worked a lot and came from the independent wrestling scene compared to a worker that was put fresh into their performance center and trained there and then put in you know put out on NXT and eventually Raw or SmackDown and you can tell how how they work can't you well <laughs> When I watch it now, man, I'm like, damn, I'm glad I don't work for these motherfuckers. Like, I don't want, I wouldn't want to be that Otis. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to be uh, uh, Drew McIntyre right now or Braun Strowman right now. I wouldn't want to be any of those guys right now. Like, because they're the face of this shit right now. You know what I mean? Like, and, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I've I've always used I'm a, I'm not like a real politically correct person. I'm kind of like the ultimate warrior. Where I just like talk shit and don't give a fuck. Yeah, know? yeah. And like, <laughs> <laughs> this shit's gay as fuck, bro. Like it really is. Like let's just be real about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the I feel like I'm probably never gonna wrestle again, man. Honestly, like. I've got actually. I'm supposed to go back to Japan this year. Yeah, and I don't think it's happening now because all the wrestling in Japan is done, except for like a few like small little indies that are just like, fuck it, let's run wrestling anyway because we ain't got nothing better to do. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they pretty much they pretty much just shut pretty much shut their shit down until until things get ahead there, haven't they? Oh yeah, man, they're all all screwed up up in Japan right now. But they're doing things. They're still paying guys, though. And they're still uh, taking care of their office people. You know? So they're losing money. They're leaking money. Like yeah. a, a woman on her period. You know what I'm saying? But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's pretty... I I know what you mean there. I definitely know what you mean. And speaking, speaking of... Speaking of... Uh, wrestling in Japan, you've you've wrestled quite a bit and a lot of promotions over over in Japan and Mexico. But when when did you when did you first start watching wrestling? When when did you what was your first exposure to wrestling? Um I was seven years old. I, what was I? It was in first grade. It was I six six years old and uh, they were. I was at a babysitter's house, and there was other kids there, and they had a Nintendo there, uh, an old NES, and I wanted to play Super Mario Brothers, and and they were watching WrestleMania. I was like, man, this, this shit's gay as fuck. I want to play Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's really what I thought, man. Like, I was like, man, this shit's whack. Like, I don't watch this bullshit, and then I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Yeah, <laughs> it hooked you. Uh, yeah, man, it did, man. It was one of the WrestleManias. I can't remember. I think it was five or six. I can't remember which one it was. I, I was six or seven years old, and uh, yeah, man. I, I, after that, I had the seed planted in me, like about wrestling, and I, I was at a bowling alley, and I played the WWE Superstars arcade game, and. That's actually what made me start watching it, and I started watching it around like nineteen, early, uh, late ninety four, early ninety five, right, right when Bob Backlund like won a title from Bret Hart, when right. his mom threw in the towel. That, that's around the time I really started watching it for real, for real. Uh huh. You know, like t- tuning in every week to watch the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my fa- my favorite wrestlers at that time were uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Jerry the King Lawler, Sid Vicious, and uh, Diesel, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, yeah. and Razor Ramon. Those were my five favorite wrestlers at that time. And then I started watching WCW, and then I found out about ECW, and then I found out about Japan and Mexico, and I started trading tapes with this guy uh, named Sam Farmer, who's a, who's a worker. And uh, when I was a teenager, I was met him at a, a indie show. I was like 14 when I met him. 
and then I talked to him online and traded tapes with him. And when he sent me the Japanese deathmatch stuff, man, I was hooked. I was like, dude, I'm going to do this shit one day. <laughs> this is awesome. Right? And that my goal was never, my goal was just to make it to Japan. That's what I wanted to do, man. I just wanted to work in Japan. I was like, man, this shit's dope. The wrestling fans uh, treat people, treat the wrestlers like with respect. They're like all quiet and shit unless they really like something. And they're really, really, I mean, they're really nice. They're some of the best wrestling fans in the world, man. It's insane. It is weird how I can go to the United States and, like, I'll be at an indie show where there's, like, 700 people and, and like, maybe only, like, two or three people walk up to me and ask me for like to sign something or take a picture. But like, I'll be walking from the train station to the, to the venue. And there's people lined up all the way to the fucking train station asking me to take pictures with them and sign shit. Dude, it's weird. Bro. Damn. That, that is, di that is different in it from experience, something like that from a, wrestling over in another country there and how how you're established there and then going to another country and then it's like like i had a friend of mine last year or almost a couple years ago he ran into uh damn who the hell was he 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 wrestled in new japan he was here in daytona beach for an event that um new japan did with the uh, ceo gaming uh, they streamed it on Twitch and stuff. That's right before AEW did the fight, Fighter Fest they had. That was here in Daytona. And it, mm -hmm. it was NATO. NATO. NATO was here. So he went to a gym a friend of mine was at. And he he sent me a picture and he said, you know who this guy is? And I said, dude, that's NATO. I was like, he is big in Japan. He said, he said, he looked like a wrestler. He said he walked over to him and you know, he was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, you know who I am? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he was just, you know, he was just, you know, bullshitting with him. But he said, he said mm -hmm. what English he can talk and understand. He said he was a pretty cool guy. And he and he asked him, he said, it's different over here than where you're at. And he goes, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, no one know who I am. And he said, over there, they all know who I am. And I was like, and he was like, yeah. And when he sent me that picture, I was like, yeah. I was like, that, that guy is big over there. I was like, that's this. Oh, yeah. You got to, you got to meet him. But that, that is crazy. How now when that, when something like that, when you start to establish your name over there in Japan, it's something like that. When it started happening like that, how, how the hell did you take it at first? I mean, how, what was your reaction? To um, that? so I didn't really realize how over I was until the next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first time I went, uh, it was in 2012. I did three tours in 2012 and then I took six months off or something like that and was working a little Indies and in, in the United States for a minute. And then in 2013, that summer, I went back to do the Freedoms uh, uh, Pain and Limit Deathmatch Tournament for the second year in a row. And when I got there, I got the loudest reaction besides one other guy, Jun Kasai, who's like the most over deathmatch wrestler in Japan. Damn. And, and me and his uh, reaction were equal. 
whenever I came because they do a ceremony before the tournament where everybody comes out to the ring. And right. They do a little ceremony. And when everybody's coming out, they were chanting my name and they were chanting June Kasai's name, and that's the only names they chanted. Wow. That's a. That's amazing. I mean, it makes you it makes you think there for a minute. It's like just so taken in that moment right there. I know that was something right there for you. Yeah, it was. And then uh, then when I talked to Takashi Sasaki, who runs Freedoms, and he wanted to work me in the barbed wire board death match, and he wanted me to you know put him over. Uh, I was like, that's fine, but let's do something to where uh, it doesn't take nothing away from me. So I came up with the whole finish of a borrowed from the Stone Cold versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. When he passed out from the blood loss, I was like, dude, how about this? You, uh, you, you put the board in my face, and you kick me, kick the board in my face, and then you put me in a sharpshooter on the barbed wire board. And then when I'm trying to push up and get out of the hold, all the blood will rush to my to all the puncture wounds on my body and the blade job I did on my head uh-huh. and it, and fr- from the angle on the video, you can't see it real well, but, but the, one of my fans came to me, she was like, blood was just squirting out of your chest. <laughs> it was hardcore. I was like, damn. And so they bought it that I, um, and that guy, Takashi Sasaki, he was actually a little bit jealous that I was over. And that's why he wanted to, job me out to himself at my expense he wanted to go over and because he saw how over I was like well if I beat this dude then that then maybe I'll get over yeah and and I was like and I kind of had a feeling yeah this dude's trying to jerk the rug out from under me because they pushed me real strong the year before I was tagging with June Kasai and you know wrestling the great Sasuke and like a lot of FMW guys and in some pretty badass matches, and uh, that Jun Kasai guy, I, I I think he's the one to help get me over by tagging with him. Right. And so I came up with that finish with the the old pass out from the blood loss referee stoppage, and when they they purposely on the video faded out as soon as the bell rings and they announced him as a winner because they chant were chanting my name when I'm laying there lifeless. Damn. Yeah, because I watched I watched you sent me the video, but I went ahead and watched it again, man. Damn. I, I loved I loved the match with the barb with the barbed wire and just, you know, you're you're I love I love how the matches that I've watched of you, how I love you trash talking. I love how you trash talk in the ring and you had barbed wire up on his head. You're like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> Everyone's like, you get a reaction there. I I loved it, man. You're like, I'm going to kill him. And you're like, come on. You know, it just, I, I loved your presence in the ring, man. You, you, in a way you did kind of remind a way of stone cold, Steve Austin, you you do you you came off to me as as stone cold but just how how your your style is in the ring where where did you adapt your style from i mean who who inspired you for your style uh owen hart bam bam bigelow um mick foley 
uh, Stone Cold. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> a lot of them, man. I, I borrow a little bit from everybody, man. Dr. D, David Schultz, I borrow from him. I borrow from uh, Terry Funk. I borrow from a little bit of all the dudes that I seen something that I was like, wow, that's pretty dope. I'm going to, you know, borrow a little something from this guy and make it my own. And that's basically, I'm just like a mutt ass mix of all these dudes that I have a mark for. Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong, wrong being a mark, man. We're, we're all marks for something, man. Out in the, out in this world here in our life, we're a mark for something. <laughs> we definitely are. Ain't nothing, oh, yeah. nothing wrong with that there. I did watch when you went up against, I'm probably, my, my Japanese is terrible. Um, you came to the <laughs> ring with uh, uh, Renee Ren Lee or Rena Lee. You went up against uh, Renee. Renee. Yeah. Hi, hyena yeah. or Hina. Yeah. Hyena. Yeah. Hyena. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that dude was dumb as, <laughs> that dude's dumb as fuck, bro. <laughs> he fucked it up. I was supposed to be a heel with a hot fucking Korean model at my side, like making all kind of innuendos that were banging or something you know what i mean yeah and and like because i was using that to get heat i was like these koreans they're racist little motherfuckers they they won't like it if i'm banging one of their bitches <laughs> so i paid this model a hundred bucks to come to the ring with me <laughs> she she looked and pretty said, good man oh she was hot dude. yeah she yeah man i me and her were pretty good friends for a little bit so you know I tried to bang her. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but she she played a factor in that match there. I I liked I liked how she got involved and with with what she did there. I thought I thought that was really great there because yeah, she had no training. She I, she listened really well to my instructions, and you know she messed up a little bit, but we covered it up and. Uh, fucking hyena, that dude. I was trying to help him in his wrestling company. His promotion is just like a bunch of fucking wrestling fanboys that have never made money in their life in the business, except one guy. He went to Japan because he was good. And uh, they were drawing 10 people per show with a free admission. And I was like, dude, nobody's going to see the value in this if you don't charge money. And I was like, this is a business, bro. You got to pay me. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's only $5. If In order for me to justify calling myself a professional, you got to pay me, man. Like right. I told this guy. So so he paid me like 10 bucks, like whatever. And I was like, that's fine, man. I'm just trying to help these guys. Because yeah. I tried to help them turn shit around for their career. Because I, I hated the fact that Korean pro wrestling sucked and nobody gave a shit about it in Korea. Like they're like MMA and stuff like that. But yeah. In Japan it's kind of weird because they like everything. But uh I went there and I was like, okay dude, I'm uh, this is my first match for you man, so I need to go over. Uh, if I'm working you, I, you need to put me over tonight in a dirty way. Like uh, where you know I can get some heat. And that way next time we work they want to see you kick my ass. 
But right. he just want, he wanted to go over on me so fucking bad. I was just like, all right, dude, fuck it. I'll just do whatever you say. Because, because everything out, every idea I was telling him, he, he was just like, he balked at every fucking thing I was telling him. And then, and then like, he's in the ring with me before the show, like a fucking Mark, like trying to go over the whole match. And he's like, I'm going to do this to you and do that to you. I was like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did like the trash talking in there. You looked at him and you said, he said, I don't understand a fucking word you're saying, man. <laughs> and you're like you're like like you're on steroids. Well, I'm on steroids, but no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, actually, uh, actually, I was taking anabolic steroids for quite a few years. Like uh, when my it started in 2012 when I first got booked in Japan. I was I was so scared to death that I was going to go over there and suck. Because right. I, I had started getting injuries, and my doctor told me, like, the year before that I should retire. Yeah, after, you know, like, my 11th year in the business, I'm being told I need to retire. So I just said, fuck it, I'm going to start taking steroids and get see if I can, you know, run it, run myself into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, yeah, so I started taking roids, and that's how I started getting really big and fat, because, like, once I start stop taking them, dude, like, you get, like, estrogen problems and shit, and you get titties. I always had titties, because I, I was an ADD kid, and I took a, a ADD medicine called Ritalin that gives you bitch tits. So I've always had bitch tits since I was a kid. But, like, I'm talking about, like, when I first came off of steroids, I'm talking about I had fucking D cups, bro. <laughs> Damn. Uh, they went away like after about a month or so, but, right. but it was bad, man. I've never, I've, I've never, I've never heard of that before. That that it does, it does that to you. I mean, I know, I know, like health problems. I mean, event, it, it depending the person, it you, it gives some kind of like problem, you know, with with their health or something. But I never heard of that before, man. Damn. Yeah, bro. It's it's uh well, it messes with your libido. It shrinks your nuts a little bit. My balls were like oversized anyway, so they needed to shrink a little bit. They could take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all right now. I'm perfectly fine. My libido's fine. That's I mean, good. You know, I dick them down now. <laughs> <laughs> damn that's 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 crazy but yeah you i i get it you you have to you have to do what you have to do because i mean you you did you did get over with the with the japanese audience there and was it 2012 oh, yeah. you won the um the the Vovemen Japanese Championship. Am I saying that correctly? Oh, oh, the the uh, the first ever Volvinam Japan Championship. Yeah, it's a march. Uh, Volvinam Viet Vo Dao is a Japanese martial. I mean, it's a Vietnamese martial art that my sensei Uga Fugo Yumeji he went over to Vietnam and studied it and became the first ever Japanese uh, Volvinam sensei. So I happened to. 
train with him in the infancy of his school. And I trained for about five or six months with him. And then I was in the Volvinam Championship, and I got third place. And there was people training way before me when I first came in. But, but uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to be a part of that. Now, Volvinam Japan's huge, man. Like, back then, it wasn't that big. Right. But to be, to be able to say that I was a part of the first one and I got third place in it, it's pretty dope, I think. I mean, that's that's a, that's amazing. You you pretty much looking at your looking at your resume here. You've uh, let me switch over here. You've had taekwondo. You've done dragon uh, kim kimpo. You've uh, and submission and kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. with Jerry Poe. Yeah, and uh, that was when I was in my early twenties. I went to Lime, Ohio, and I trained in the MMA because they had a wrestling ring in there, and I was in there like messing around in the ring. And he was like, "Hey, man, you want to uh, you want to train with me?" I was like, "Yeah, you're free to join my classes." And I, so I just joined his MMA classes. He didn't charge me nothing, and it's pretty cool. And then uh, before, yeah, when I was a kid, I took Taekwondo for a little while, and I didn't get very far in it because my mom, my dad, you know, at the time he was kind of a douchebag and he didn't, didn't want to pay for it anymore. So, right. Because <laughs> I was picking fights with people at school and kicking motherfuckers in the head at school and all kind of weird shit. So he stopped paying for that. So, yeah. <laughs> so that that pretty much was the end of that. There, just right, right down, right down the hall from my house here. Just not even like five minutes. There's this uh, place that um, when I was growing up, it used to be like a laundromat, and then they it went out of business, and then they who did who would ever think of a laundromat going out of business? But the, this one did. <laughs> but <Wow. laughs> but they the 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 space there stuff is come and gone, and the last thing that was put in there was a um, was the. Uh, I can't even say it. it's so it's nor it's uh Korean self-defense uh Kaipai um I'm probably saying it wrong there um um it starts with a K so my, mm. my 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 language skills suck <laughs> it's um um Kin Kindo Po or not Kindo Po um it's uh, it's the opposite of that. It's more self defense. If someone comes at you, um, you basically everything is you can take them down. Just different different ways to take down uh, your your um, attacker or or um, it's more uh, defensive uh, martial arts. Um, I I can't think of the name of it there, but they had a they had a place right down the road from me and. Like twice, twice a week, or about three times a week, it would be it'd be open there, and I'd drive by, and you you see like people in there just uh just uh, taking it and just you know doing the classes and stuff. But here, here in the last two or three months, <laughs> it it's shut down. <laughs> you haven't Damn. seen yeah, I haven't seen nothing out of that place, man. It's just it's dead. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, man. It's like that here, too. I mean, laundromat's open, but there's, like, a lot of businesses shut down. You, then there's, like, four rent sign, signs and shit out in front of them. Like, wow, already? Who, who, who would think a massage parlor 
would go out of business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like the other day I was listening to Jim Cornette. I was sitting there fixing. I was in the kitchen there, and I, I threw on Jim Cornette, listened to his latest uh, podcast, and he was talking about the massage parlors. He said, they got to change stuff now. They're they're you go into a massage parlor, they're afraid to touch you, so they got to give you a massage massage six feet six feet from you with stretch arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah, I was sitting there, I was sitting there dying laughing over here and that man. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was... <laughs> <laughs> dude, I was in a convenience store the other night, man, and. Um, Everybody's like tripping about social distancing. I was like, "Well, shit." I mean, if even if you're six feet away from me, you're still five feet away from my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. <laughs> I I can't I can't believe I don't know if you heard heard or read or seen anything about this Gold's Gym man bankruptcy that's that's nuts man good (laughs) Good. those motherfuckers yeah the japan gold's gym those motherfuckers wouldn't let me train because uh because i have tattoos really and i was like i was like dude i'm a member of gold's gym i can go to any fucking gold's gym in the world and they're like no you have tattoos you can't come in here i was like all right well i hope you motherfuckers rot in hell and die of gonorrhea. Because yeah, this shit's bullshit. I'm a pro wrestler. I gotta look good. I'm I'm getting over. You don't understand. I'm getting I'm getting the breaks. I'm getting the money. I'm getting everything. I gotta look better so I can get bigger opportunities. I was telling the trying to you know tell the manager, like, look, dude, I'm I'm not a fucking yakuza. I have tattoos because I'm a pro wrestler and I need to look imposing. And they still wouldn't let me train, so I'm like, shit. Alright. And I, I never went to a Gold's Gym ever again after that. Ever. I was like, fuck Gold's Gym. That's 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 crazy. That's crazy. Being being over on that part of the world there, when you when you first when you first got there and just you know, looking at everything and it's like, wow, being over this part of the world. It's just when I know do you do you even get it now nowadays or was it more back then just because i mean walking on the street i mean you you stick out you would stick out like a sore thumb and it's just you know people kind of look or do they uh you know try anything or what how how is that how how's the interaction with people over there in japan man it is so awesome people are cool uh well like one one night, like I, I was walking down the street going to the grocery store, and there was like a group of like twelve or fifteen kids, like a big fucking huge gang of them, standing right outside a train station for some reason, and they all ran up to me and they're like, "One man crew, one man crew," and they're just like, <laughs> like, and I still get that even here on Guam. I'll be walking through the neighborhood, just going to the mall to watch a movie or something. Because you know, I, I, there's a shopping center that's like a mile down the road from me, so I just walk down there. And they'll be like, "Oh man, crew!" And there'll be kids playing football in the yard, and then they all run up and huddle around me. They're like, "Bust a rap for us!" 
and <laughs> that's neat. And, uh, and, yeah, man, and uh, I, like when I was in Korea, like I was there was a bunch of teenage girls outside this hotel on a bus, and they were screaming like the fucking Beatles, dude, like at me, just because I was walking by. No way. It was fucking weird, dude. Yeah, because of the... See, in Korea, I'm known for my music there, not not wrestling. Okay. Like, uh, even though I was a champion, like the first foreign Incheon champion in Korea pro wrestling history, I mean, it's just a work. It's just a gimmick. Like, I don't give a shit about that. Like, what I end up doing is selling, like, a few thousand copies of my album and being on, like, the top... Uh, you know, like those shows like American Idol and all that shit, you know, they got yeah. one called uh, uh, Show Me the Money, which is a rap show. Right. And because I was on that show and all this shit, and I everybody knew me like when I was there because I was like the only white motherfucker there. <laughs> so like people really like started to really know me like from my music there and like and in Japan, I had a falling out with my sensei at one point. I started just hustling like a motherfucker, doing shows, doing hip hop shows, booking my own hip hop shows, selling albums. I almost signed with Avex Group, which is like the second biggest entertainment company in Japan besides Sony. Right. And, uh, but I, I wouldn't sell my soul basically, so that's why I didn't get signed. And, Nah, there's a whole long story about that, dude. It's some crazy shit, bro. It's really, really weird. Like some satanic shit, dude. It's insane. <laughs> like, My, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Really? Is it? Yeah, man. R- record labels, they... I I have a friend who's uh, that I know of that has, has a band, and they've they've been together for quite a few years mm-hmm. and all their albums they've released independently as just you know through what they what they had to do to to uh do like gofundmes and kickstarters to raise money to you know put their put albums out and go on tour and promote the album and stuff they they did it all themselves now they did uh, oh yeah! A couple years ago, they did sign with a they did sign with a uh, label, but when they got the contract, he he made sure he went through the whole contract and read everything, uh-huh. and you know uh, negotiated and had this changed and that changed and everything, and that basically uh-huh. suited suited him and and the band. And everything that he has, and they signed, and they did. I think an album or two album deal. But my my friend of mine that that runs Podcast C Network with me, he he's known him since high school. So when the album was about to come out, hey man, let's uh, get you on, do an interview, and talk and stuff. Well, that record, record label sent him stuff. It's like, oh, you got to pay this, you got to sign that. So he's like, really? So he calls him up. He's like, hey man. Your label's uh, sending me all this shit I have to do. And he's like, send it to me. And he looked at it, and he's like, they need to go over their contract, because in the contract, I control what I do with the media. 
And so mm-hmm. he, and then some other shit that happened. Uh, I don't know exactly what, but then he said, I'm just, I'm, fuck it. I'm done. I'm going back and I'm independently producing music that way because I'm better off that way. And it is. It is. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's much, it's much better. It's almost like. Dude, I made over $200,000 off my last album independently by myself. Nobody helping me. Yeah. And who got that that $2,000? You did. $200,000. Oh, $200,000. Oh, $200,000. I made $200,000 off my last album. Damn. Congratulations, man. That's that's amazing. That's that's good. And you you, you did it. That's a conservative estimate. That's and just an estimate, two hundred thousand. That's a con- it's that's a conservative estimate. It's probably more like a quarter million. Quarter, but yeah, but I lost track of like how much I made. I know I sold at least twenty thousand copies. Okay, and depend on what country I was in, I sell for ten or twenty bucks. So right. as a conservative estimate, I just kind of you know round it down low to ten. So I say two hundred thousand. Okay. But, yeah, it's actually more than that. Well, you did it. You did it independently. You didn't have. You didn't. You had no one to answer except for yourself, right? Yeah. 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 That's the beauty of it, man. Mm-hmm. And I don't have no boss. Like I've always been that way, man. I've I've always been a type of motherfucker that I don't give a fuck if somebody fires me or not, dude. Like, right. I didn't, I've never needed anybody, like any job, like from anybody else, man. I've always been a hustling son of a god. Like I've always sold my, I got DVD wrestling DVDs, I got albums, I've got whatever the fuck I can sell, I'll sell it. Drugs, whatever the fuck. Right. <laughs> that's just that's just how that's how that's how that's how I hate to say I hate to say it. that's how you roll, and that's that's who you are. That's what you do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's who you are and just what what you have to do. Since we're talking since we're talking about music, we're we're talking about your music. What ha- have you always been in the hip hop or or is, has that been your main music or was like any other musical influences that you that you like too? Oh dude. Uh I love a lot of old school stuff. Like I get a lot of inspiration from other genres. It's I listen to Megadeth a lot and uh, like old eighties pop and nineties music, and I get a lot of inspiration from heavy metal music in my rap. Really? Yeah, not my not my actual not my actual rap like the lyrics or the the flow, but the the beats that I'm, I make my own beats. Mm-hmm. Now and uh, well, I've been making beats since 2004, but I sucked for a while. I didn't believe in like my skill level, so I started paying like real producers, like platinum and gold and fucking top Billboard chart producers. I start paying them to make my beats for me. And uh, so my last album, the one I sold uh, 20,000 copies of, that one's produced by uh, Sam Peasy, who's like a top Billboard like gospel producer of all things. Really? And he made my, my rap beats. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah. And he's like, uh, a very eclectic producer. He 
can make different genres. He makes hip hop. He makes jazz. He makes anything, R and B, anything. And uh, so that, and then before him though, I was working with a couple of Insane Clown Posse's producers on on a, like a little EP project. I I had bought like six beats off of two ICP's producers and I made a, a little four song EP out of it because two of the beats I didn't like I was like eh, I should just not use these even though I paid for them right. so I put a four little four song EP out and sold I went out to California and did a show and sold like a few hundred copies of it out there but then nice. uh, but nowadays man like I'm so like good at what I do like, with the music, it's insane. Like I cannot believe, like there's beats I listen to that I'm working on that like I'm like crying happy tears and shit. Like golly, I can't believe I made something this dope. <laughs> like nobody else has this shit but me. Only I have this because I made this. Like it's weird. Because it came from the heart, man. It came from the heart. You, you inspired. What, what inspires you, you take that. It, yeah, it's you. T- you take whatever inspires you, and you take it and uh, you mold it into whatever whatever comes out. And you usually it's good, or usually it's not. And then some things work, some things don't. And but if you're like really feeling it, it's like it's coming from the heart, man. And so if if it feels right to you, then it's right. I don't know if anyone's. If you ever heard that if you you trust your gut and if oh, gut, yeah. yeah if your gut tells you no then it's no but if it's good it's good and if you feel it then you feel it man oh i feel it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel it it's in there it comes out of me man and then like it's weird when i write my raps it's like the hand of god is like touching my brain when i'm writing my actual lyrics it's an, it's weird man like there are songs that like i can't even remember writing them mm-hmm. it's at just, all and it just flows don't it yeah it just starts coming out of me when i'm i try to put stuff together like a puzzle at first how when I try to like write I'm trying to match these flow patterns and put some words to it and then once I come up with like the first two bars then all of a sudden it just comes out of me like I start writing and yeah then I'll go over it and fix a few things and make something sound better like flow wise yeah man that's I love being an artist man It's, it's fun it really is Today I, I found I dusted off my four string bass and I pulled up uh, some uh, sheet tabs to a song and I was sitting there I'm like playing and I'm like damn this bass sounds so terrible and then I had to tune it and I was like how the fuck do I tune this thing because it's been forever since <laughs> I played so I had to had to go on and I had mm-hmm. to oh that's how you tune it okay and so I Dude. hooked hooked it up and I just started plucking around on it there for about an hour and I was like this is great this feels good I haven't done this forever so I yeah. messed around with that and I, I put it back but back back when I was a teenager um, me and my friends we got together we tried to we wanted to be the next uh, 
band right here I'm wearing, and um, we 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 didn't go far. We didn't go far. We I mean we played. I played guitar and screamed and had a my cousin played drums. She played drums and then her boyfriend played guitar and we had a, a couple bass players and then we we didn't get far, man. I'll tell you how far we got. Just to the garage doors and that's about it. <laughs> you know, man, uh the thing about bands, man, is like everything everybody is dependent on everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? On somebody else in there. You know, you, you're depend. If you're a four-piece band, you're dependent on three other people. Yeah. Yeah, if, if one of them can't do it, then you're fucked. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you can get somebody else. But that's the beauty of being a solo artist is I don't have to depend on nobody, man. Like my brother, he's a really good guitar player. His name's Nick Sanders. He's, he's really badass, man. And he's never gotten anywhere with it because he thinks that he needs to have a band. And I'm like, dude, you could just record this, uh, an album by yourself and then hire dudes to play this shit for you live. Like, yeah, a lot that's of, what, what Gigi Allen did. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of, I've heard of people doing that before. I've, I've heard of, I've heard of a. Uh, you know who Gigi Allen is? I've heard of. He's I've, a punk rocker that used to like go go on stage naked and throw shit at people and try to rape people and fight people and yeah, there's all kind of weird shit on stage and uh, and, and uh, he would record his albums with other musicians with his his core guys and then he would just hop on a greyhound or whatever with his brother and they would hire different musicians in the different towns they were booked at to play the songs like the drums and yeah all that so okay yeah so I told I, my brother i was like you could do it like that man you could just yeah i told i told him i could produce the shit for you and then you could just hire a band to play the shit live but, mm-hmm. no he's doing his thing right now He's got a nice little girlfriend named America, <laughs> and uh, she's pretty cool. That's 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 cool. I mean, anyway, yeah, <laughs> I I like that. But yeah, he's an electrician, and so my brother's electrician, and he's right now he's uh, dealing with some stuff in his life. But he he's so good at what he does, like that's why I'm surprised he hasn't made it anywhere. He's like a Dave Mustaine type. Dude, on the guitar, (laughs) or like a dime bag Daryl or something, dude. He's that good, man. And anyway, I'll get off that right now. I don't. I want to talk about my brother no more. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, I don't want to put him over. I don't want to put him over no more. He's your rhythm when I talk to him. (laughs) He's your family. He he's your family, man. I mean. I I have about I have Dude, six. my brother's so fucking awesome, man. <laughs> Let me tell you something about him, man. He uh remember I you you said your story when this barber cake when I tagged with him against Butterbean? Yeah, I where uh Yeah, that story there. Like before we talked on here. Yeah, the story where um I don't wanna uh, maybe I should tell the retell the whole story. Well, anyway, so I'll just I'll just retell the story because of, of what I want to put my brother over on that never made it to TV, and I was pissed. So 
Yeah, Butterbean and I, we put this show together called The Battle Against Drugs for, you know, raise money for the D.A.R.E. program or whatever. And uh, he was uh, filming a simultaneously a reality show where he's, like, busting people for dope, like, as a sheriff in his county he lives in. And so me and Brutus... My, um, me and my brother were staying at this motel the night before, and Brutus was staying under underneath our room. My brother was standing out on the balcony smoking a cigarette, and he's like, hey, man. Uh, uh, Brutus uh, was dropped off from the bar. Butterbean dropped him off from the bar because he was trying to get some tail or whatever. And uh, he goes, hey, brother, you smoke? And my, my bro says, yeah, man, you want a cigarette? And Brutus looks at me and goes, nah, weed. <laughs> so so <laughs> we're like yeah man come on up so we're sitting there like chiefing out with them playing black ops on playstation 3 and i'm like trying to relate to them and stuff and i told him i was like man man uh excuse me i just belched i said uh you know this guy uh butterbean's tagging with tomorrow he's he's a cop he's not a worker he's Never worked a match in his life. He's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Never worked a match in his life? I said, nah, man. We're gonna have to give him a crash course and teach him how to sell. He's like, you can't teach a guy how to sell in a day. I got news for you, brother. I'll make him fucking sell. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so the next day, like, we're at the assembly where I'm wrestling, like, one of the fake Doink the Clowns, and then afterwards, Brutus is, like, doing, you know, talking to the high school kids about staying away from drugs and all that, and don't smoke weed and don't do coke and don't do this and don't do that because it's going to ruin your life and all this. And then, like, as soon as he's done, as soon as he drops the mic on the kids, he comes walking back to the boys' dressing room because it was in the gymnasium, and I'm back there. He's like, hey, brother, you guys got another joint? <laughs> like he's just told his kids not to smoke weed and he's asking me if I got a joint <laughs> and uh <laughs> and so that night we worked the match everything was okay the cop you know Butterbean kind of like smartened him up or whatever and then we worked out with him in the ring a little bit for the show, so he was fine. He didn't. He was. He didn't have nothing to do anyway, except a couple clotheslines and a pinfall. And that's it. Right. We kept him out of the match mostly, and um, they cut out. This is the thing that pissed me off, though, is they cut out all my offense on Butterbean, where I was kicking his ass. And they cut out the part where after I lose the match, my brother gets in the ring and Bruce punches him. My brother takes a bump and sells for him, and then he and then he chops his hair off with the fucking barber shears, the edge clippers, whatever the fuck. And my brother's not a worker. He's never worked a match in his life. He's just he had long hair because he's a metal guy, and they're like, dude, we gotta chop your hair off. It was a rib, actually, is what it was to yeah. him to cut his hair. <laughs> Well, he did it, man. He did. He did it like a like a champ, man. He took a good bump for him, man. He sold for him. You fucking let him cut his hair, dude. He's, he he did a good fucking job, man. And then uh, they didn't air shit on TV. But my brother can say he worked with Brutus and Barber Beefcake. He's not even a fucking wrestler. He's not even in the business. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's that, that's amazing. You. I mean, you get to Butterbean. He's a he. 
he's a he's a veteran. I mean, what what he's done in wrestling, and then you got Brutus Barber Beefcake. I mean, how how awesome is that? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty dope. Because he, he, when he called me for the show, he was like, "Hey, man, who do you want to tag with, Brutus or Barber Beefcake or Heidenreich?" Oh, okay. I was like, man. Who do you think I want to tag with, dude? Brutus of Barber Beefcake. Come on now. Hell yeah. Well, am I supposed to pretend I'm one of the road warriors if I tag with Iron Reich? <laughs> uh, road dude. warrior asshole. <laughs> That's. <laughs> road warrior fat ass. And road warrior Heidenreich. <laughs> Heidenreich just never did come off. Just. I don't know what it is. He was just. He didn't come off that right uh, when he was up there. And uh, WWE to me, he just, I just looked at him. I'm like, yeah, this guy ain't right. It's just, I guess it's just how they booked him. I don't know how, how he's, how he was after his WWE stint. I don't know. I've never met him, so I don't know. I heard he's kind of a weird dude, but yeah, yeah. I try, I try to stay away from guys like that. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> 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 Damn. No, I'm just talking with you. <laughs> oh, I I know. <laughs> you got any qu- other questions about anything, man? Like, uh, uh, I don't know how much you know about me. I mean, shit, I don't expect you to know anything. Well, I I got some more stuff here. I got some more stuff. I I, I love this. I lo- I love talking talking with you and just hearing hearing about. You over in Japan and South Korea, and it's oh, it's bro. it's good shit, man. I love it. I love it. Now, let me tell you this funny story in Japan, man. Um, I was talking to my sensei about this wrestling promoter that he and I both don't like. Mm-hmm. His name his name is Nakamura, and uh, his, his name's Yoshiyuki Nakamura. He he was the president of Zero One, and. Okay. My sensei used to work in the front office with him at Zero One under Hashimoto's original Zero One. And so when I lobbied to come work in Japan, Nakamura was talking shit about me. Like, you're too fat. You need this. You need a lot of things. And because my sensei hates that guy, he's like, he saw that when he's talking shit on the uh, pro pro res Facebook groups. He's like, I'm going to help this dude. And so he helped me get booked out there. He saw the tape, and he's like, no, dude, this dude's money. Like, let's bring him in. And uh, so I'm chilling at my sensei's house, and we're talking about this guy, and he's telling me all these fucked up stories about this dude, and I'm just like, wow, what a cocksucker. And he goes, cocksucker, cocksucker, you know cocksucker-san? Like, cocksucker-san, the fuck you talking about, bruh? He's like, cocksucker-san, wow. Full contact karate magazine no editor des means he's the editor of the full contact karate magazine. The motherfucker's name is Mr. Kakusaka. Kakusaka-san. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? I thought I was like. I told him, yeah, I told him what Cogsucker is, and he wrote it on a piece of paper and taped it to his wall right from his like where his computer monitor is, so he'll always see it. <laughs> They wrote the word cocksucker in English on a piece of paper and he taped it and then so you can study it. 
Yeah, it's awesome, man. We, me and him were laughing like like a couple of retards for like hours about that shit. <laughs> you know Kaksakasan? Kaksakasan? What the fuck are you talking about, bro? Oh, shit. <laughs> this motherfucker's name's Kaksakasan. Mr. Kaksaker. <laughs> Damn, that's, that's great. <laughs> did rib it's I, phonetically the same how they say the word cocksucker it's phonetically the same as how they say cocksucker <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> cocksucker <laughs> I like some criming with some guy criming with some guy <laughs> <laughs> some some young guy that would be uh, Wayne's World too. Korean. Oh, Korean. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, ribbing, uh, ribbing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me what, tell me what's, what, which one of your favorite ribs you've done on someone? What's what's one of your favorites there? One I've done on someone? Shit. Yeah. You've done some ribbing. I've I've you, I've done some shit. I've done some ribs that if I told them on here I'd probably get arrested. Like Oh shit. <laughs> you don't yeah, want that. Like, don't want that. It's just anything uh, that there's a st- statute of limitation on this shit. It's a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, so You've you've done you've done some crazy crazy shit with uh, on some ribs then. Yeah, well, people's ribbed me, man. I I've never been a big ribber. If I rib people, it's more verbally, like I'm fucking with them or something. You know what I mean? Because I'm a I have like a witty sense of humor, and I you know joke about shit and fuck with people like that. But I don't actually like shit in people's bags or nothing like that. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I tell you some ribs that were pulled on me, man. Uh, the first time I I worked with Bull Buchanan, I threw him over the top rope in a battle royal and eliminated him the hard way because like he didn't know I was coming to eliminate him. I just picked him up and dumped his ass over the top rope. And because I did that, he went to the fucking dressing room and put zip ties on my fucking bag. To the he uh, zip tied him to the the bench in the dressing in the locker room and he zip tied the fucking locks and he, uh, he zip tied the, the zippers to where I couldn't open the shit. He's, he fucking zip tied the fuck out of it, dude. Oh, shit. I, I still can't prove it was him, but I know it was fucking him because I was still in the battle Royal. And when I came back from the battle Royal, my shit was fucked up like that. So I know he did it. Had to have been him. Because I fucking dumped his ass over the top rope hard way. So he, he probably fucking... I've never heard of anything like that. It's pretty creative. So he, I, I, think, I think he did that, man. Seriously. That's pretty damn creative. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, the next time we worked... Dude, he fucked my shit up. I was like, I was pissed because I thought I broke my fucking leg after I went over the top rope. the The edge of the ring didn't have any padding over it, so I just busted the side of my leg on the fucking uh, the 
metal edge of the ring. I come limping back there and I seen that shit. I was like, man, who fucking did this? I swear to God, if I find out who fucking did this, I'm going to beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> and I was pissed and nobody would tell me who did it. Everybody was faving me left and right, man. That's like, crazy. I was so mad. The only reason I was mad because I was injured. Like I, I busted my leg and I come hobbling back there and seen that shit. I was like, "Who the fuck did this?" It was crazy, man. <laughs> that was funny. That's that's crazy. And then this one guy, he pissed in my fucking. I had a uh, two liter bottle of Coca Cola that I was drinking, and he fucking pissed in it. Oh, and when I drank, I was like. Motherfuckers, you piss in my shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then uh, when I was first getting when I, like my second year in the business, I was green as fuck, man. And this dude, uh, I'm not gonna mention him by name because I don't want to make him big, bit any bigger. Yeah. But I had a problem with this guy, and uh, he kept. You know, stiffing me every match and picking on me and beating me up and beating the hell out of me every fucking time I worked him and uh and and I was just taking it, man. I I didn't bitch about it or nothing. I just did my job, come back there. But the, he was like basically bullying me in the ring because I was young and I was green and I was still learning. And uh and so this older wrestler seen what's going on and he and this guy he really liked me. Like the right. older wrestler, like the older wrestlers really liked me for some reason, and uh, so he pissed in the motherfucker's spray bottle <laughs> before his match. <laughs> like I, on a night he wasn't working with me, he was working with somebody else. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, watch this!" And he pissed in this dude's spray bottle. Does the motherfucker? Comes back, he sprayed himself down with the shit, right? And everybody's watching. Everybody knows he. Everybody knows Bull Horton is pissing this guy's fucking spray bottle. <laughs> and he's spraying himself down with it, and everybody's gig trying not to giggle and shit. And he's looking around like, "Fuck, you guys laughing at?" And everybody's like trying to hold it in, and then he's just like shrugging his shoulder, like, "Eh, whatever." And he opens his mouth and he sprays his fucking mouth with the with the spray bottle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most best rib I was in on, man. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, and, and, and when he sprayed his mouth, it, nobody could could hold it in anymore. Every, everybody was laughing at his dumbass, and he still didn't know what the fuck was going on. Oh shit! <laughs> He had no fucking idea. <laughs> that's, I think that's the best. That's the best one I've heard of, man. Damn. Yeah, man. Uh, then this dude named TC Carnage. He uh, one time he walks up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, let me show you how to do this hold." And I was like, "All right." So he gives my he gives me my I give him my arm, my left arm, and he's like, put me in like a a wrist lock, and then he like punches me dead in the nuts. Oh, God. No, and I was like, man, what the fuck, bro? He's like, that's the. Uh, he said, you wanna, you wanna. Uh, I remember what he said. Now he goes, hey, you wanna learn the most dangerous hold in the world? I was like, yeah, sure, man. And he, I give him my arm to show me. He's like, let me see your arm. And he like twists my wrist and then he punched me in the nuts. I was like, cocksucker. <laughs> so like, the next week, 
Like I wait, I wait for a couple weeks or something, and then I walk up to him and I was like, I said, do you know what the capital of Thailand is? And he goes, nah. I said, Bangkok, and I busted him right in the fucking nuts. <laughs> you got him back, man. You got him back. That's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, everyone will see the whole dressing room saw because when he did it to me. And I waited till the old dressing room would see when I did it to him. And that's when the old dude started liking me. Because, like, we're like, yeah, this dude's got fucking balls. So. <laughs> and we're like, these these dudes uh, named Brett Christopher and, and, and uh, Mr. Big, they're a tag team. They're like, dude, you have what it takes. Like, you, we're, people are beating you and beating you and beating you and beating you, and you just keep coming back. So. Stick with this shit. Don't give up on it. Like you, you, you really have what it takes. So I was, I was, I took that to heart, man, and and that's how I made it as far as I did. I was never supposed to make it this far, dude. I was never trained. No, I was just a glorified yard tard, bro. Yeah, starting out until like the older guys liked me and started, you know, bringing me under their wing and teaching me stuff. But I was never like former, formally trained like the old school way, like I was supposed to be. Right. Right. Until I went to Japan, I started training with them motherfuckers in their training camps and stuff. And, oh, I've heard, uh, I've heard their training camps, man. Or, or that that's that's some shit is serious. I think it was uh, Finn oh, Balor. Yeah. I was watching a thing on Finn Balor, and he was t- talking about it and stuff. That that that's real. It's almost like a religion. It, it is. And. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I go over there, and I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm hurt. I'm. I got an injury. I can't work out today. Like, <laughs> and I'll just get, try to find a way to get out of this shit, you know? Because <laughs> I, I don't. There's just some some shit I don't need to do. You know, I don't need to do a thousand fucking squats. Like, come yeah. on now. I'm right. not, I'm not a fucking young boy. Like, I was in my thirties when I'm over there training with these motherfuckers, and they got young dudes like eighteen, nineteen, twenty. And I'm like, yeah, I think this shit's for you guys. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. But 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 I did do it though. Like I did train with them and and uh yeah, it was fun, man. I love my time in Japan was like the best time of my life, bro. Like It's it's amazing, man. Yeah. It, no one no one you you experience something and you actually experience something that a lot of people don't get to experience go to another part of the on the other side of the world there and experience that culture experience what what a sport a profession that you enjoyed growing up that you've got into and you get to do it over there and people love you of it from it from seeing you and it it don't get any better than that and then with with your successful hip hop hip hop rap career man i mean damn it and then of course on top of that you've you've been in tv before you've you've had you've had appearances in uh, on television man i mean you were when i was looking at who like you're on hawaii 5 season five episode oh, yeah, yeah. you you played uh you what was uh tell me about that there and um 
I did watch well, Jerry was... Springer's uh, Jerry Springer uh, clip, but t- tell me mm-hmm. about the whole Hawaii Five O appearance. Um. Well, I I've been trying to get. I did a movie in Hawaii uh, for uh, a little fight scene where I played a like a club bouncer, and there's like a shootout going on, and it's a martial arts. The the guy that's directing his name's Ron Yuan. He's gonna be in the new Mulan movie. This guy's been acting and directing stuff for like 30 years. He was like in all those old, you remember Don the Dragon Wilson? Like yeah. Blood Fist and Ring of Fire and all that. He was in all that oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I worked a fight scene with this guy and uh, I, uh, I still haven't seen it. The movie I don't think ever came out, but they had some pretty big stars attached to it. One of the dudes from Hawaii Five-0 was in it too. Anyway, so I did that movie but the the first movie i ever did was a japanese horror movie in japan i did a cameo in it where they actually put me in the credits like on the dvd box and everything to help sell the motherfucker it was crazy and uh so that was my first couple things of acting and then i was like well shit i might as well try to get on like hawaii 50 or one of the bigger productions so i right. went to the agency that books all the extras and i said look I'll work as an extra. I'll work as a, whatever you guys need me to do. I'll do it. And they're like, all right, we'll call you. So they called me and, uh, they were like, we got something for you. We want to, uh, we're doing a scene where we got a, a new year's Eve parade and we want you to, uh, be in the, one of the new year's Eve partiers. And I was like, okay, so we're shooting this. Like before we even go to the, like shoot the shit, like we're standing in this lot with all these trailers and shit. Uh, waiting in line with our vouchers so we can get our money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see fucking Scott Kahn from Ready to Rumble, Rumble walking and then fucking guess who's walking right beside him? Fucking RoboCop. Peter Weller. No way. It's like directing simultaneously. He was directing another episode. Oh, and yeah, so I get this all RoboCop and fucking the dude from Ready to Rumble, but I didn't say shit to him, right? I just stood in line, did my voucher, and then when we shot the scene, it was like a Chinese New Year parade and stuff, and um, they they do a big shot of the street where you can see the people in the parade with the dragon and stuff, and then I was the dude with the blonde hair uh, right beside the guy with the, with the walk, cooking on the walk. I was the guy with the bleach blonde hair, like dancing like a fool i did that on purpose so that i would stand out to where like if i'm trying to show one of my family members something that that's me they'll be able to see me easier by like dancing around like, a, like i was doing some chris farley shit bro it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's and they only use like two or three seconds of it you know you only get to see me for like two fucking seconds and then they they film some other stuff with me where this guy he's running he's escaping somebody's trying to kill him mm-hmm. and then they had me do some shit where like i'm walking in front of him and he bumps into me and shit and they, they didn't even use it you know but yeah but uh but but they did use the part where I was dancing like a fool. <laughs> so, so on that episode, you can actually only see me for like two or three seconds. But I got paid like pretty good money to do that, and it was like my first legit like studio check. You know what I'm saying? It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. That's amazing. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go look at that there. And I did I did watch that clip. 
of Jerry Springer. When I when I saw when I seen that it said Jerry Springer, I said, "No way." I, I got to check this out. <laughs> I got to check this out because when I was in high school at the at the hype of Jerry Springer there, um, I, 97, 98, I was a senior in high school. So I was, I remember when it was like, Jerry was like at the top there at, at the peak of his popularity. And when, when I seen that there, I was looking through, looking at your stuff there and I saw the clip and <laughs> I was like, damn, that that was you were a little you're a little bit younger back then there, but the the whole setup oh, with yeah. ram, it was uh with that with the uh, rampage wrestling championship wrestling there with the yeah with the women there that tell me about that there. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> or do you not rather not talk it's, about? Uh, it? No, I, no, I don't mind talking about it. Okay. So um. This guy Reese, who uh, he's a referee, and he's the one that drove me on all the shows, like younger, like when I was like starting out, like two, three, around the time I told you about the spray bottle incident. Yeah, this time <laughs> me and him were riding around, and so me and him were longtime friends. And I knew him when I was a kid watching indie shows. He was refereeing those shows, so right. Uh, so Reese and I we decided we're gonna promote wrestling, and we booked a show and we had Buff Bagwell in the main event. We had Tommy Rich and uh, Jimmy Golden and a couple other guys. And uh, so uh, I uh, had the task of training two women to learn how to work and they were so fucking egotistical. It was insane. Well, the the buff one, she was cool when she was by herself. Yeah. But when she was with when she was with the redhead though, dude, it was insane. It was crazy how fucking big headed these chicks were. Because I I got them booked on Jerry Springer. Yeah. I called them up. I told them the deal. I, I made the shit happen for them. And like they just treated me like a fucking jabroni the whole time. Like they wouldn't listen to me. They wouldn't. Uh, so anyway, we do the show and everything, and everything's all good. But but like them chicks, man, they were really, 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 really something to deal with. Like the like I said, the the muscular one, she was pretty cool when she was alone. But like that redhead one, she was real manipulative. She would like be calling me up like, "Crew, I need you to get me a championship belt." Do not say no to me. Do not say no to me. I'm like, Jesus Christ, who am I dealing with here? Uh, okay, I'll go to Kmart and get you a fucking little plastic foam WWF belt for 12 bucks. How's that? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're asking me for. I'm not fucking buying no title belts for you. Right. Right. No, like, we had, like, these generic belts that this other promoter let us borrow. And, you know, like, they didn't have no uh, letter, like, alphabet, like, governing body. Yeah. Letters like WWE or no shit, you know, on it. It just said women's champion on it or whatever, right? So, yeah. So, the other guy, Reese, he would, you know, get these belts from the other 
promoter she knew. And then she's calling me up about the shit. Like, I need a belt. I'm going on a, a, a TV. I'm going... I'll, I forget what she said. She had something. She was going to do some appearance or something on some shit, and she wanted to go promote herself, and she needed felt like she needed a title belt. And I was like, you know, you don't need a title belt to promote yourself. Yeah. You just go and talk about it and just be cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just the kind of shit I had to deal with, man. Like, yeah. Trying to tell me what the fucking business is. <laughs> <laughs> damn that's i i watched that 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 shit was crazy there with with the jello yeah and the, and the chick that won she didn't even she didn't even fucking acknowledge me like after she won the match like she was supposed to like act like she was happy that i'm her trainer and like give me a high five or some shit you know like yeah and she didn't even do it like it was all about them you know what i mean like for them they were just they were in the they were in it for the wrong reasons. Like the Rebecca, the redheaded one, she wanted to fucking uh, be with Edge. Like <laughs> that was her that was her goal. She's gonna sleep her way to Edge or whatever, or fucking whatever the fuck. Like damn. And then the the muscle bound one, she was just a little, she was just a a mom doing her thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, she was swole. She looked good. She was pretty in the face when you meet her in person. And so she was just trying to, you know, hey, let me try to capitalize on this opportunity type of thing. But when she got around the other one, like, it was just like, Jesus. Yeah. Double fucking trouble. It, it's, it, yeah, it's kind of like, like, I don't know. I don't know how people could be like that sometimes when what, they're, they're okay. And then when another person is in their their environment, then it's like they go all haywire, and they just they're, they're, they change. I I don't I don't get that sometimes with people. I don't get that. Oh, neither, man. Like I've never been a big egotistical person, man. That's probably why I'm not like at the top of the industry or whatever. Because like I don't I don't take myself too seriously, man. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm just a regular dude that just has to have a lot of talent and enjoys, you know, entertaining people. That's all. I mean, right. But these, these other dudes, they got like, I got more talent in the head of my dick than they do their whole body. And they think they're the shit. It's just like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> if it works for you, that's fine, buddy. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, I mean, look, like I, like I said earlier, look, look what you've accomplished. No, no one's what you've accomplished there. No one's actually have what they may have dreamed it. And, oh, I think I will. You did it. You did it. You set out and you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And dude, and I did it, man. You did it. I banged the hell out of all them Japanese chicks. <laughs> when I when I saw when I saw your picture your header there and I saw the the Japanese women that was like yeah he's he's doing good dude there was a French girl there was a no nah, bro that picture I was 
That the person who took that picture was the person that was serving us at that pizza place, dude. I was oh. rolling five deep with five hot nineteen-year-old chicks in Japan. Damn, they're all night. All five of them were nineteen years old. Jeez, one of them was, was from France. Three of them for for uh, and the rest of them for were for Japan. One of them was half um, half black and half Japanese, and she's really pretty too. I really love that that girl's face. It's cute. And uh, they were so cool and chill and hung out with me and they trusted me and then I roofied them and then, I mean, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's a little bit too much there. Too much information. I'm just kidding, dude. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know. No, it's, it's you you know, Bill Cosby would have got away with it if he was in Japan. (laughs) 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 I'm just kidding. I was was pulling a fucking dynamite kid on all these bitches. (laughs) Would you like to have my pudding pop? (laughs) Nah, man. I was just joking about that stuff. I I actually didn't touch any of those girls in a sexual way. Those five hotties that was in that picture with me. I didn't touch none of them because they were too young for me. Right. Like At the time that picture was taken, I think I was like... 33 and they're like 19 i'm like uh, 33 i was 33 or 34 and they're like 19 so i was like 14 15 years older than them so like when i back when i was rubbing one out to sunny in raw magazine that's about the time they were born (laughs) god dang god dang damn you you seen you seen what happened to her? God, what the hell, man? Oh, she just—I feel bad for her, man. What what what's happened? She's a real sweet lady in person. Like, uh, <coughs> I met her in 2011. I worked with her at uh, the AWE shit or whatever, and she, she asked me to help her change her shoes, and I helped her change her shoes and got to see them titties, and she was really nice to me. And, I didn't see her titties. Like, she'd show me her titties. I just looked at them, you know, because they were just kind of there popping out at me. Yeah. Like, one of them was trying to punch me in the fucking lip, bro. It was crazy. Give you a fat lip there. Yeah. Man. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but, uh, but, 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 but Miss Tammy is a real sweet lady in person, man. She really is. Like, yeah. Real. Um, I, I just, I, I just, I, I feel, I, I do. I, I feel. It's just like what what happened with with everything, you know. It's just it's just different seeing her now and then looking back, you know, just how how she was and where where she ended up at. It's just wow. I'd still bang her. I'd dick that chick down, bro. Eat it up. To heat it up, then beat it up, to skate it up. <laughs> Damn. That's that's nuts. But wow. Yeah, I think Vince McMahon would love me if he knew me. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. That guy, he would probably love my ass if he knew me. If like he really knew me for real, for real, and like mm-hmm. he'd be like He'd probably fucking use me if he knew me, like as a person, you know, on a personal level. If he knew me, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'll yeah. get something out of this kid." 
<laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it don't put you put you in a ridiculous ridiculous role. But you know, like with with John Moxley sent on Chris Jericho. You want me to walk out there and eat this hot dog? I'll make it look like the best hot dog I've ate. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, hey, you know, it's just kind of how it is, man. When somebody yeah. asks you to do something, you just got to kind of do it, you know? Like, right. when it comes to, like, the final decision, whoever makes the final decisions, you just got to kind of, unless you want to lose your job, you know, or mm-hmm. unless you're Shawn Michaels and got blown by somebody and... Uh, whatever, and they got dirt on you. And no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. About Sean Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I liked I like Sean Michaels and Bret Hart's rivalry. I liked that. I I liked how it was what they went through, and with a little bit of the realism behind it too on on both parts there. But I mean. He's he's at the performance center. He's helping he's helping people. He's you know trainer, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. So I mean, oh yeah, he's passing oh, yeah. that on there. To I'd love to work. I would love to learn from that guy, man. Like Shawn Michaels was the fucking man, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I was. Listening- he was doing it like that at that time. He was doing it like that. Yeah. Yeah, he he was he was really good. I was listening to a story that Jericho was talking about. I believe it was on his podcast, and he was talking about when he was doing that. Of, I think it was in two thousand nine. Remember that uh, Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels rivalry they had there in two thousand nine, where Jericho mm-hmm. hit his wife and then everything. It was for the world title, and yeah, yeah, oh that, yeah, I that, remember that. Yeah, that right there. There was when they were having a match there, Jericho during that middle of the match there, where they would get both knocked out, and then Jericho would get back mm-hmm. up again. And when they were both knocked out there, Jericho's Jer- Jericho tells Sean, "I'm getting up." He says, "No." He said, "I'm going to get up." No, wait for it. And he's like, "Wait for what?" He's like, "We can't get up." He's like, "No, wait for it." And then. You hear the crowd, and then he was like, get up when I tell you. And then as soon as the crowd started roaring, he said, get up. And they both got up and went at it, and the crowd, he said, and he, he learned stuff like that, how to, you know, you listen to mm-hmm. the crowd, man. You listen to the crowd. You you, oh, you, yeah. you do a you do a pretty good job, man, listening to the crowd there. I, I, again, like I said you're out there talking shit and stuff, and someone in the crowd yells something, and you're like, "Shut up!" <laughs> and he's like, "Fuck you!" And <laughs> I, just, I just love it, man. You 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 give you do that. You you listen to the crowd and you give it back to them and the, your opponent. The audience is is the core component of what we do, man. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these dudes, man. When I was younger, I used to do all kind of acrobatic shit, like lion salts and moons, like moon salts and corkscrews and head scissors and all kind of weird shit. Man, I was doing all that, trying to get over, like busting my ass, doing unnecessary high spots and stuff. And when I started getting older and getting beat down, you know, started getting like to where I had to change my style a little bit. Mm-hmm. Man, less is more, bro. Like I. I worked some shit like me and this Japanese dude named Umezawa. We were working up in Hokkaido together, and it was like three feet of fucking snow outside. 
Damn. And we had a, a packed house, about 500 people in a small building. And he's like, dude, my back's fucked up. I was like, yeah, mine is too. And he's like, my shoulder's fucked up. I was like, yeah, my knee's fucked up. So he's like, hey, man, fuck it. Just beat the fuck out of me. <laughs> and I said, all right, well, how about this, bro? We'll do this. We'll just keep it Shakespeare up in this bitch. Just do some like Hulk Hogan, fucking Andre the Giant shit, bro. And we just went out there, and I, uh, I'll punch him, and he would like we would do this thing where we'd go all four corners around a ring, where uh, I would, uh, I would hit him, and he would do like the Hulk Hogan spot where he's like. Hawks up a little bit from every corner, and then he's getting pissed. By the time on the fourth on the fourth turnbuckle, when I hit him, he he gets pissed, and then he fucking turns me around, and he does the same shit to me all four corners of the ring. Right? We did like little simple stuff like that, man. And people went ape shit over that. It was insane, like how easy it was to manipulate the people yeah. just by doing, just keeping it Shakespeare's. What I learned from Bullet Bob Armstrong. You know, the patriarch of the Armstrong family, the road dog's dad. Like I worked with him in 2008 and, uh, he liked working with me so much that he got me booked on the next and in, in a, uh, in Georgia to work with him the next weekend. So his son could get a look at me and try to get me a job in TNA. Yeah. But Jeff Jarrett didn't want me cause I was fat. So I've talked to Jeff Jarrett and he was like, you know, you can cut a promo and you can take a bump and you can do this and do that. But this is show business and you know, I look a certain way. And I was like, all right, that's cool, man. And I was like, I'll just keep doing my thing in Japan. <laughs> but, uh, cause I, Damn. But, but yeah, man, like I've talked to every, I've talked to fucking ring of honor. I've talked to TNA. I've talked to fucking, I've reached out to everybody, dude. And everybody's hating on me, bro. So I fucking, I just work in other countries. Like, you know, I just work where other motherfuckers can't go. They're exactly. like, Oh, you're not, you're not good enough to work for our shitty company, little indie company, glorified indie company. But, Oh, okay. Well, your guys aren't fucking working in Japan. None of them are getting, none of them have ever, like, I'll go, like, there'll be companies that would act like I'm, like, some piece of shit, like, nobody, like, jobber, and not want to book me, and I'm like, dude, do you realize I just fucking got put over by the great Sasuke in fucking Japan, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> it's like, are you fucking kidding me? It 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 just shows it just shows how much people do pay attention to what's going on in other in other countries over overseas with wrestling, and then it shows who's paying attention, who's not paying attention. Yeah, man. Well, mm -hmm. a lot of American wrestling fans they don't really know about me because uh, a lot of the bigger companies in in the U.S. they don't want to do business with me for whatever reason. They won't let me have a platform to show what I can do. Like the biggest company that did something with me was the Insane Clown Posse's company, the Juggalo Championship Wrestling. They had me come at one of their. I went to one of their gathering of the Juggalos. Yeah. And, and worked like three three matches, and and they let me win every match except for the one where I worked with Sabu, and it was a weapons battle royal, and Sabu eliminated me. Oh, dude, I gotta tell you about that man. That was crazy. Oh, yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that because I seen, I seen that you you are a part of that there. But yeah, tell tell me about that there. I like like to so, hear about that. So I, uh, uh, Sabu took. I guess he took a liking to me. Like I walked up to, to him at the backstage at the JCW event, and I I was told that hey, we're work, I'm working this weapons battle royal, and Sabu's coming out, and he's going over. So. I walk up to Sabu, I say, hey, uh, nice to meet you, Sabu, um, and my name's blah, blah, I just introduced myself to him, and uh, I said, uh, so uh, I heard we're going to be working together in this battle royal, and you're going over, I said, I don't want any of these no-names eliminating me, so I want you to throw me out, and when I said that, he's like, alright, brother, I'll take care of you, and he took a liking to me, and like, I bummed a cigarette off, and we smoked, and we talked, and we shot the shit, and we were cool, we just kind of hung out and talked a little bit. And then when, when, when we went out to the ring, dude, this motherfucker comes out with a chair and he's blasting these motherfuckers left and right. Concussion city. Like, he's giving these motherfuckers brain damage. And then he just lightly kicks me in the gut a couple times, like, light as a feather. He's like, out you go. And I went out the ring and he picks that chair back up and starts busting these motherfuckers left and right again. I was like, God damn. <laughs> 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 Damn. That's that's great heat. That's great heat. He took care of you, man. That's that's great. And I <laughs> that's amazing, man. That's amazing, Dad. <laughs> so damn. You've you smoked weed with Brutus Barber Beefcake. You worked with Butterbean and you got thrown out of Battle Royal by Sabu. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. You you're successful. Oh. You are successful. I've and, worked a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of legend wrestlers, man. I've worked with Buff Bagwell. Um, he was fun to work with because he was one of the ones that would actually do shit with me. Like right. he he's the one that actually got me my job working for Mike Jackson because that show I told you, me and Reese, the referee guy, we ran a show and we booked Buff. Yeah. So he he was sitting at his gimmick table watching my match. I jerked the curtain with the guy named. Uh, Inhuman Fly. So the first match on the card. So he was sitting out there and he was happy and shit because like you know everybody's friendly to him. So I was friendly to him. And he knew me because I he had seen me like random places like when I was up in Ohio and he came through Ohio. He was asking me about where he could buy some pain pills and I hooked him up with some weed and and then I I also you know seen him around in the southeast when he. And I first got released by WWE and all that stuff. So then I hung out with him like a, the week before uh, on a couple shows and hooked him up with some pain pills. And uh, oh yeah, dude, it was so funny. So I gave him this hydromorphone pill, bro. It's like Dilaudid. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know if I want any more of these, brother. It's not kicking like it's supposed to. And I was like, all right, man. Well, <laughs> I was like. You just wait, and then he goes out to the ring to cut a promo. He's like, "Back in WCW, <laughs> um, um, back in back in WCW." <laughs> like he was all fucked up, and then and then uh, he comes back. He's like, "Brother, you got any more of those?" <laughs> so so he was you know that's the good rapport i had with him when he was watching my match the next week at our show like and 
Hey, watch me work is the match with the Inhuman Fly. It's on YouTube. You could see Buff standing there, his big uh, tan, swole ass, standing in the background with a towel on his shoulder, watching it. <laughs> and, uh, or whatever the fuck. I don't remember what he has. But, but, um, but he was wearing a hat and stuff. You could see him standing back there. But he walked up to me and gave me a five when I was walking to the ring. Like, shook my, like, he didn't think, he didn't think I was walking to the ring. He thought I was just walking around because I come through the front door instead of out of the dressing room. I came through the front door of the building. <laughs> and he walks up to me and takes my hand. Uh, <laughs> and then I went in the ring and I fucking uh, did my shit. And, and then, then, and then uh, we come backstage and he's like, he tells Mike, he's like, Mike, have you seen this guy work? <laughs> fucking phenomenal. It's like, you, you should book this guy. And so, so he got me my first job. He's like, I, ju I just got you your start, kid. So he, <laughs> like my real start in the business. Like I'd already been in the business for seven years. Yeah. But I yeah. wasn't making no money at the shit. Right. Then. But he, right. he got me a job where I was actually making money at the shit. Mm -hmm. That's and working with him. And I. That's 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 amazing, man. So I think he really got me that job, so I'll be around to give him some pills. But <laughs> you were, you were, you were, you were his big papa pump. I'm your hookup. Holla if you hear me. Nah, <laughs> nah. Actually, actually, I pissed him off because I had to cancel him once. Uh, oh, did you? He was booked in. A, yeah, I, the first show I did with Butterbean, uh, the one I booked for this convention. Yeah. Uh, I had a budget of like twelve hundred bucks, and then they changed it to fourteen hundred, so I could book these two midget wrestlers. And uh, Butterbean's backstage, he's looking at one of the midget wrestlers like, "I could eat a midget." <laughs> I, I was like, "I bet you can, motherfucker! I've seen you eat fucking rack of ribs all by yourself." <laughs> God dang! God. Dang. Well, anyway, so I had to. Uh, uh, I had Buff booked on the show, but he was already booked on another show in another town, and I was like, man. And, and my budget was so small, I was like, I'm not even making no fucking money on this shit. Right. And then Butterbean had expressed his interest in, because I'd been talking to him on a, at the time, MySpace, and we were talking about um, working together, and he invited me to his house to come talk with him. And I at the time, I had a newborn son, and uh, me and my son's mom and my son went all went to his house and hung out. So he was like, "What are you trying to do with this show?" I was like, "Well, they they gave me a budget of fourteen hundred bucks to run a, a show for like to raise money for the sick child." And he's like, "How much money are you making?" I was like, "Nothing." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Who'd you who'd you book? Where's all your money going to?" I was like, "Well, six hundred of it's going to Buff Bagwell." Uh, X amounts going to this, X amounts going to that, and I just told him, I just showed him the whole budget. He was like, "I'll tell you what, dude, you canceled Bagwell, and you booked me. Just pay me three hundred, and you keep three hundred." And uh, and the people at the convention that gave me the budget, they wanted Butterbean more than they wanted Buff Bagwell anyway. So they right. basically they're the ones that asked me to get Butterbean instead of Buff. So. Uh, Somebody out there did. I, I don't remember who it was, though. But anyway, so, yeah, I ended up canceling Buff, and Buff was pissed at me for it. And 
So I told him, well, I'll just give you a hundred bucks the next time I see you. And I haven't seen him ever since. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're over on the other side of the world, man. How could he see you? <laughs> yeah, Damn. man. Well, Buff's a good dude, man. He's a really, really funny guy, really cool dude. I really enjoyed working with him. Like, he actually let me do some shit, you know, when I had my match with him. We had a really good match, dude. The one on YouTube, like, that's the one. The one where I was wearing a black mask. And uh, actually, part of the match is cut out. Like, the beginning of the, like, the first few spots of the match are, isn't even on that video. Really? That whole match from from front to back was really a good match, man. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it just shows me, like, getting out of the ring from taking his shit, you know? Like, right. first he would, like, uh, he was doing all the stuff that you see me doing him, hip-tossing him and all that shit. He was doing that to me first. Right. And then I would do it to him, and then I would mock his buff, like, thing where he, you know that thing he does where he kind of struts and then gets down on his knee and does the double bicep pose. But I was doing it at the wrong. My timing was off because he wanted me to wait until after he's done selling, he's looking up at me, and then I do it. But the way I was thinking about it was like, I want to do it behind this motherfucker's back to yeah. these fans <laughs> to, to where it looks like it's some cowardly shit. Like, I'm making fun of this motherfucker behind his back. That's right. what I was trying to do. But he, in his psychology, he wanted me to, to wait till he turns around and looks at me, and then I'm going to do the, and then I do the bicep pose, and then he can react to it, right? Yeah. But my, at the time, I was still kind of green, and I didn't understand why, what he was thinking. I was just like, I'm going to slam, body slam this motherfucker, and then when he's, while he's selling, I'm going to do his pose. And, <laughs> why he's not looking like that's what I think anyone of me to do but <laughs> I've had me and him went over I had uh, on a few episodes back I had militant Mark Mark Magnamon and he he worked with he worked with Buff and he he almost did almost just about like like you said there some hip tosses and then he imitated Buff and then Buff rolled over and looked at him and then Buff gets up and does it and then does the same thing again but then mark goes down and then he does does it and the crowd pops louder for you know for buff doing it and not as they booed mark when he first did it so that's that's pretty yeah cool. oh yeah and well like he let me choke slam him and shit dude like he don't let motherfuckers just do that to him you know mm -hmm. what i mean he actually gave me some good offense, and and uh, he was like, "Don't over rotate me, brother." Like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "What if I, I said?" Because I had this idea for. I was like, "Dude, what if? Uh, what if we do a spot where the ref gets bumped, and I choke slam you, and I cover you, and there's and I've got you beat, but the referee's knocked out." Or I uh, said, so what if you? What if we do bump the ref and you put me in the uh, double underhook DDT and you pin me and you got me beat, and then uh, but the ref's knocked out and you go to wake him up, but I choke slam you and then I got you beat, but the referee's still not recovered, so I get up and smack him around to wake him up and then you hit some other shit on me. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, that's. That's a good idea. This is gonna be a good match. 
He's like, just don't, just don't over rotate me. Because <laughs> he was worried I was gonna, like, don't over rotate me. Yeah, he's like, he's like, don't rotate me. <laughs> he was really paranoid that I was gonna fuck him up, like, cause you know he had neck problems. You know what I mean? So, right. he, he, the way he was working matches with people was the same match every fucking show. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he was telling the dudes the same thing, the same easy shit that he was basically working the same fucking match with everybody, dude. Right. Except right. me. I'm the only dude that he was like, hey, yeah, man. At that time, anyway, I don't know. He probably changed the way he worked after a while. But but at that time, man, he wasn't letting people fucking do choke slams and shit on him. Yeah. Well, when he yeah. when he faced when he faced Mark uh, Mark Magnum in in the video, it's up on Mark Mark Magnum's uh, YouTube channel there with his match just there mm-hmm. he has, and when that match he had with Buff there. He he Mark Mark does a blockbuster. So Mark did it on Buff. When when I watched this before I interviewed Mark, I was like, dude, he did the blockbuster on Buff. So when I had him on, I asked him about that. What happened was when he was back backstage there, when he was in the back there, uh someone wanted to mention the Buff. It's like, oh yeah, Mark Mark does a blockbuster and he's like, No, don't don't tell him that. Don't tell him that. And someone said, Hey, he could do a blockbuster too. And Buff turns around and is like, Oh, you can? He's like, Yeah. He goes, Yeah, hit it on me in the match. And so he was like, Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I thought that was pretty that was pretty You know cool. why? You know why? You why? know why he did that? He probably like, if he could do it, that means I don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. That's that's crazy. But because he 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 was at a point where he wasn't doing it, man. Like because of his neck, like he, you, like you that's said. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. He, and but he did it for me though. Mm-hmm. Like that's the finish on me. Yeah. Like before, he was just doing that double arm DDT to people for the finish. Right. For a long, the longest time, he wasn't even blockbuster and nobody. Right. And and then like. But with me, he took a choke slam and he gave me the blockbuster, dude. And that, for that, I'll always be grateful to him for for trusting me that much to and and liking me that much to actually give me something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's, give me a good match. Exactly, exactly. It, I mean, that's if you get in there and you can work with someone, they can work with you. You can work with them, and you can put on an entertaining match for for people. That's that's all good, ain't it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Because you know, let's be honest. I, I mean, Buff was my age now when I worked him. He's about thirty-seven. I'm thirty-seven now, so he was thirty-seven when I worked him. He was still in his prime, right? When I worked with him, he was still Buff. He he actually looked better than he did when he was on TV when I wrestled him, right? In, in my opinion, he did anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. but. But I mean, for that guy to like help me get a job and then fucking work with me and give me something, and then like, then I uh, over some shit where I had to cancel a booking on him, like things go sour. That's kind of unfortunate, you know what I mean? Like, if I had a chance, man, I'll talk to him and send him the hundred bucks. That's probably what I'll end up doing. Yeah, I mean, business is business, but yeah, I mean. 
that yeah you could you could possibly yeah you can do that you could possibly do that right there just <laughs> send it out to him say hey <laughs> sorry but here you go yeah yeah that's probably what I'll do they yeah. probably don't even remember me it's been so long what are you doing you dumbass cat my cat is like crawling in a suitcase <laughs> He's Damn. inside a fucking suitcase, like with the lid closed. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, if your cat is inside a suitcase, that means he's probably ready to go somewhere. And <laughs> I've you think you think he's pissing in there? I don't know. Get out of there, <laughs> you little cocksucker! <laughs> cocksucker. <laughs> You want to work or you want to shoot, bitch? <laughs> I'll make you fucking sell. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> with with that right there, we'll just leave it. We'll leave it. We'll leave everything. We'll leave it like that right now. I mean, <laughs> I wanna I wanna thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem, and, buddy. And talking. Well, I didn't get to tell everything. But, well, uh, but you, it's all good, bro. But you know what? That means you can come back and we can always talk more. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's, that'd yeah. be awesome. Hey, yeah. if uh, anybody's listening to this, if anybody actually gives a shit about me, like if just one person who didn't know about me knows about me and actually like takes the time to look at my body work and, and likes what I do, I just want to say thank you in advance. And uh, I've got like, albums and stuff out that you can listen to and they're on YouTube. I mean, you can buy them if you want to support me, but you can also listen to them on YouTube for free. So I don't, I, I'm just grateful for any fan of my work or whatever. I, I, I don't like calling them fans. I like calling them my, uh, some supporters kind of like, you know, Kind of like customers, you know what I'm saying? Because like people are just people, man, you know. And I don't put myself on a pedestal or anything like that. You know what I mean? I treat everybody good. You know what I mean? And so anybody that appreciates my work, I just want to say thank you and God bless you guys. And I hope that everybody's not suffering too bad from what we're going through with the coronavirus and all that shit. I'm about to smoke a acid-laced coronavirus joint, dude. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nah. <I'm... laughs> That's a new one, man. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I'll just be saying random dumb shit just to try to make people laugh. You know, I'm, I'm an entertainer, man. I love entertaining people, whether it's being goofy, whether it's like making jokes, whether it's making sexual innuendos to people that are just like, what the? Like, I just like making people laugh. It could be like the janitor is mopping the floor and he hears me say some goofy shit to somebody and he thinks it's funny. Like, right. I just like entertaining people, just making people's day better and making them smile, making them laugh, making them happy. That's what I believe I was brought on earth to, to do for people. Mm-hmm. Well, you, your body work shows it and everything that on your YouTube channel there. You have a lot of content, so I've not even really got through a lot of the content. And 
I'm gonna be sure to go go back through there and uh, look at some some more stuff there on your channel. You know what, dude? I actually went through my channel and was looking at stuff. And I was like, dude, I did all this shit. Are you kidding me? Like, this stuff I forgot about, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow. And I'm <laughs> laughing at my own. Dude, you brought me on here to do the masked wrestler shit, bro. And we never even got to that. The masked wrestler? You're going to let the cat out of <laughs> yeah. the bag? You're gonna let the... Yeah, well, man. Well, here's what we'll do. Go ahead and close cl- close uh, close out my close out my show with it, and then uh, I'll say the plugs, and then uh, you can take it home there. All right. So for you guys that don't know, like I kind of do some like Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton shit with this gimmick I do called the Mask Wrestler, where like I pretend I'm another like a Southern wrestler talking shit about people. And the first one I ever did, I was talking shit about myself. And I was basically just making fun of, like, rednecks and whatever, like, talking smack about me. And then I started getting requests to do mass wrestler shit for people. So, like, like custom promos and shit for people. So I'm just going to I'm gonna do a little uh, closing promo on this Everett Lee show in the mass wrestler. All right. All right, I'm going to put my mask on. <clears throat> Hey, if you listen to this podcast, this here's a mass wrestler, and uh, you just got smacked in the ear with the head of my dick. <clears throat> because this show, this podcast, I don't do these little old podcasts now. I just did it for Everett Lee because his podcast is dope. And if you don't think so, you can go fuck yourself. You can drink a bottle of horse piss for all I give a fuck. But I will say this. If you did happen to tune in, thank you very much. And as my idol, the famous best manager in the world, Jim Cornette, would say, thank you, fuck you, goodbye. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the mask wrestler makes his appearance on the Everett Lee Show. And one-man crew, I want to thank you so much for coming on here again and where can people find you at on social media um i got facebook i got um twitter i'm I'm not a big social media person my instagram i'm i'm barely post on it but i got like almost two thousand followers on it or whatever but but i'm on instagram i got a youtube channel um there's other YouTube channels dedicated to me that people have, and uh, if you ever want to look up the Mask Rassler promos, just it's spelled with no W. It's just R A S S L E R, and I hope you get a kick out of it. Just know that like it's just me repeating stuff I've heard people say and just making fun of, basically just making fun of redneck people, you know, like, and I'm not saying I love rednecks. I'm Lived in Alabama for a long time. I just, just thought, I just think it's a funny character, and I enjoy doing it. So if you, if you like that, I would be very elated if you would check those out and, and get a laugh out of it. And or if you want to watch my matches on YouTube or listen to my music or whatever, it I'm easy to find. All you gotta do is type O N E space M A N space K R U in any search box, and 
my stuff will pop up and I'm easy to find. I'm easy to access. Anybody can get a hold of me anytime. Anybody can send me a message anytime. I'll, I respond to everybody. So I'm not like one of them douchebags that like ignores people or nothing. Like you can hit me up if you want to. I just want to thank everybody who's ever supported me, everybody who's ever blessed me, everybody who's ever shown me kindness, everybody who's ever given me an opportunity. And thank you, Everett Lee, for having me on your show. This is a it's a blessing. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime, man. Anytime. We still got quite a bit to talk about next time you come back because we've only I feel like we've only uh only got to talk about a little, but there's a whole lot more. And we'll we we'll we'll talk about more next time when you come back on. All right, man, it's cool. Maybe I won't be so stoned next time. <laughs> Maybe I'll be more stoned. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw my closing plugs out and then we're going to end this show here. So I want to go ahead and mention Podcast City Network, your top source for independent podcasting. Head over to podcastcity.net for shows such as the Everett Lee Show, Deathmatch Russell Podcast, Russell Podcast, Imaginary of Scott and Todd, Final Score, Best Friend Podcast Show, and much, much more on podcastcity.net. Follow them on Facebook. Podcast Scene Network, give them a thumbs up. Send them a tweet over on Twitter at Podcast Scene Net and subscribe to their YouTube channel and Twitch channel over on Podcast Scene Network. Every release show, give me a thumbs up here on my Facebook page, which I go live on from time to time. Every release show, Facebook at the Everett Lore Score Lee over on Twitter. Send me a tweet over there. Instagram, Everett Lee Show and audio portions of this podcast, previous release podcast. Head over to Every Lee Show on YouTube, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Podbeam. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. I will see you again next time for another episode of The Everett Lee Show. When I need a logo or graphic design done to make my shit stand out from all the rest, I use 3Count Design. 3Count Design offers a wide range of graphic design products, video, photography, and other forms of media. Everything from t-shirt designs to websites. For more information, head over to facebook.com slash 3Count Design. That is facebook.com slash 3Count Design. When I want to kick back a few cold ones with my friends, I head over to City Limits Taproom. City Limits Taproom has a wide selection of TVs to watch your favorite sports indoor and outdoor seating and they are pet friendly city limits tap room also has food made fresh to order and the grilled cheese is excellent i recommend the grilled cheese and the apple pie cider with fries on the side you can't go wrong with that baby for more information for upcoming events head over to facebook.com slash city limits tap room